Hello and welcome to a live edition of the Cyclone Rider podcast and live stream. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson coming to you on this Thursday afternoon of Cyhawk Week. Iowa and Iowa State both 1-0 heading into Saturday's game at Jack Trice Stadium, 2.30 p.m. The Fox Channel. Randy, are you uh, are you sick of Cy Week yet? Cyhawk Week yet? Or are you... Uh, Still enjoying the 48 hours left to go before kickoff. I'll do my best to enjoy the 48 hours before kickoff. Um, as of now, at least the way I plan it, I think I'm pretty much done writing. So um, I said as of now, in case there's any stuff that pops up, which has been known to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm um, – yeah, I'm ready to roll. It's uh, um, this week's always a long week, um, but it's it's a good week, and it's a it's a um, it's a significant week. And I, you know, we might get into that later on in the show about what it means. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. I see you're ready to go too. I think I got longer hair than you now. What the heck? Yeah, in my. Uh... Every other month, haircutter. So uh, let's dump right in, jump right in to uh, talking about the quarterback. Matt Campbell wouldn't rule out playing two quarterbacks after playing both Rocco Becht and JJ Cole on Saturday against you and I. Offensive coordinator Nate Shieldhouse, you know, seemed to say he anticipated both. Do you believe them? Because I don't know that I do. I no, not necessarily. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I, well, we both know there's not going to be scripted plays for the quarterbacks. I think you asked that question a couple of weeks ago when Campbell or Shieldhouse or somebody said absolutely not. I don't think it's going to be scripted to the fact that that Rocco starts and on the third possession, um, J.J. Cole plays. I think if when Rocco starts, I said win because he will. When Rocco starts, if Rocco's successful – if Iowa State's moving the ball, if Iowa State is, is offense is clicking to the to the extent that it can click against the best defense it'll face this year, then he's not coming out. There's no way he's coming out. Now, if it gets to be 12 minutes and 46 seconds into the four or with 12 minutes and 46 seconds to go in the game, and stuff's still not going good for Iowa State, then he might switch. We saw him do that. In, in 2021 with the best statistical quarterback that ever played at Iowa State. We saw him take Brock Purdy out in a 17-point game with about 13 minutes to go against Iowa. So I know that's in the that's that's in Campbell's DNA, but it's going to take a lot. A very a, a, it's going to take a terribly lot of things to happen for JJ Cole to get into the game when the game actually is still on the, when the outcome is still actually on the line, I think. Yeah, obviously neither quarterback lit the world on fire on Saturday against you and I, but I thought it was pretty clear that Rocco Becht, who has, you know, limited, but still some game experience, looked much more comfortable, much more at ease playing the position than J.J. Cole, who was you know, stepping out on Jack Tri Stadium field for the first time. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the evaluation was like from the coaching staff to where 
do you take much of an evaluation off of that? Or is it the kid was out there for the first time? He's going to be better the second time. Let's just continue this quarterback competition into week two. Or do they look at it and say, Rocco was the better player. He's got to lose the job for JJ to get another shot. And I think the answer is probably somewhere in between. You know, I think my anticipation would be Iowa State plans on rolling with Rocco Becht in this game. But to your point, I don't think the leash is incredibly long. They go out there three and out, three and out, interception, three and out. You know, if they struggle to get the plays in in time, then I think maybe you could see a change. But I think when it comes to J.J. Cole, they're going to want to put him in positions to succeed. And, you know, throwing him in after a so-so or nondescript uh, debut, throwing him in in the Cyhawk game against a really good defense is probably a pretty tough position to go in, especially when, you know, Beck was serviceable. Like he looked like a big 12 quarterback and that's, that's not a, uh, a slight to say that's where the ceiling is. It's just when you run pretty bland offense against an, against an FCS team, it's hard to get too excited or, you know, even go the other way to get too uh, pessimistic about like JJ Cole, who was what four or five for three yards or something like that. Uh, so it's just hard to draw much from it other than a comfort level that I think Rocco Beck clearly was much further ahead, as you would imagine, than J.J. Cole. Yeah, and, and that comfort level included being comfortable in the pocket. And Iowa State's offensive line allowed him to do that. Now, now, will, Iowa, <clears throat> will Rocco be as comfortable in the pocket against Iowa? I don't know. I mean, Iowa's going to bring it. I mean, pretty much guaranteed that. Or at least, or at least they'll 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 be in the backfield and they'll they'll make they'll try to make Rocco feel uncomfortable, just like just like good defenses do against every quarterback. They want to <clears throat> they want to get him off his get him off his game sometime, whether it's physically or mentally. And that's that's going to be that's going to be something that Iowa is going to try to is going to try to do. And it's that's why. One of the reasons, at least throwing last week to the tight ends so many times. Tight ends had had half of Iowa State's <clears throat> caught half of Iowa State's um, fourteen passes last week. So the tight ends got confidence. They got confidence in that game against Northern Iowa by by being used so much. And it's obvious that that Rocco has confidence in them. But there were times I asked Rocco about this. Tuesday, I asked him if that was in the cards to throw to the tight ends, and that was that the game plan. And he said, "Not always, not necessarily." He said they were open, and so I don't know whether that means if Rocco's giving up on the pocket too soon, if Rocco's giving up on on Jalen Knoll or, or Higgins or, or Dimitri Stanley or I, I anybody any of the the receivers. I don't know whether he's giving up on them too soon, but certainly he saw the tight ends open and he hit him. And, and it, so, which end, which may end up being a good thing against Iowa because I'm not certain you're going to have all day to pass like he did against against Northern Iowa. I think you may. It's going to be one of those things where, where if Iowa State moves the ball, if they're lucky enough, fortunate enough to move the ball against the Hawks, it's going to be just the 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 chunk plays, the the short yardage plays that move the chains. 
very similar to what we saw in the 99-yard drive. I'm certainly not predicting another 99-yard drive. That was a generational drive. And that was, I, I still shake my head about that. I still find it incredible. But so I think I think that um, that Iowa State's going to make, Rocco's certainly not going to be as comfortable in the pocket on Saturday as as he was in the opener. And, and also, and also, in watching the replay, Rocco, <laughs> Rocco looked like a sitting duck sometimes too when he was when he was running. He's got to learn how to slide. Um, so, which I guess comes with all quarterbacks. I remember Brock when he Brock Purdy when when he first started. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, certainly going to be a test, unlike any other that Rocco backdoor JJ Cole have faced in their career up until this point. Which then leads us, Randy, to our next discussion topic. In the non-quarterback division, when you look at both sides of this ball, both sides of the ball for Iowa State in this game <laughs> against Iowa, who is going to be the difference maker between a win and a loss for you? Is there one guy? I mean, I think it'd be easy to point at a couple different position groups. Probably offensive line would be the one that would jump out. But in terms of a singular player, who jumps out to you as potentially somebody that can swing this game? A singular player. Um, I wish I could say special teams. Uh, okay, a singular player. We've seen we've seen what Jeremiah Cooper can do with two interceptions, cornerback who had a 58-yard pick six against Northern Iowa and then had another one later in the game. I'm So I'm, I'm guessing that Iowa's going to be very cognizant of him, which may um, – which may open up some of the other the other the other defensive backs. I'm going to say TJ Tampa. I'm going to I'm going to say TJ Tampa um, because if in fact Cade McNamara is as less than 100% mobile as we've been hearing out of Iowa City, then it it sounds to me like like he's not going to be doing a whole lot of of stuff outside the pocket, which to me means he's either going to be throwing the ball down the field or to the tight ends, or he's going to be handing it off. Regardless what he's doing in that respect, the, the secondary is going to have to be on their toes because I don't know whether Iowa State's front, whatever it would be, front seven, I don't know whether they can stop. They can fully 100% stop Iowa's rushing game, which means the secondary, which means guys, which mean guys like TJ Tampa. So I'm going to, I'm going to say TJ Tampa. Just not only not only about about breaking up passes and 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 maybe intercepting one, but I'm I'm saying also in the run game. Yeah, I'm going to go on the other side of the ball, and I think TJ is a, a good pick. But I'm going to go on the other side of the ball. And, you know, we, you mentioned that 99-yard drive a year ago from Iowa State. My thought after watching that Iowa State team on Saturday, not have a drive longer than, I think, seven plays. Yeah. Like, Randy, how about this? The, the, the longest Iowa State drive in terms of number of plays and in terms of time of possession was the 21-yarder that they used to score after Jalen Knowles' big kick return in the first quarter. That was their most plays in a drive to go 21 yards and longest time of possession in a drive <laughs> all game long. So That's how good the defense is. Yes. Well, so again, without extrapolating too much against an FCS opponent when Iowa State was obviously right. trying to keep the playbook uh pretty thin, I I wonder about Iowa State's ability based on that first game and the inexperience 
at a number of key positions to sustain long drives against a really good Iowa defense. So if Iowa State is going to have success offensively under this theory, it, it might need explosive plays. It might need the big plays. It might need the big home run plays. And I think the guy that we saw flash the potential of that on Saturday against UNI was Abu Sama. Had a couple of really electric runs. He's obviously incredibly fast. And to hear Campbell talk about it, I think both Saturday and Tuesday, about how a couple of small alterations to those runs, and you're looking at you know maybe hitting pay dirt on a major long run. Going from week one to week two from a freshman, it'll be interesting to see in how Iowa game plans. But when I look at that offense, he might be the guy with the home run ability that we haven't seen at Iowa State uh, otherwise this year. I was going to say, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> I think Jalen Knoll has shown it. Maybe even Stanley, Stanley has shown it at times in his career. I think, you know, a guy that might will be interesting going forward will be tight end Ben Brammer. Yeah. Um, but I think what we saw on Saturday and the way we know this Iowa State offense wants to operate, run first – with a dynamic running back, can Abu Sama, the Southeast Polk Ram, can he bust one? Can he bust two? And now you're talking about a very different football game for the Iowa State offense, you know, with some quick score ability. Obviously, that's easier said than done by about a factor of a million. But I do think if if there is a guy that can change the game for Iowa State offensively on a single snap, Sama would be my pick about uh, the guy who could be that person. You know, yeah, and, and I'm just looking at one of the comments um, that we're getting. Um, one of his former teammates, Duampa, is going to be playing on the other side of the ball for Iowa. But um, um, As our Altoona correspondent, pretty disappointing <laughs> you didn't write about that already. Yeah, I know. I should, sorry, I missed that one. Um, Sama's going to play. He's going to play a lot, because more than he did last week, because I, I'm getting – Campbell said after Saturday's game, or he said Tuesday, whenever, that um, Eli Sanders was hurt. So, um, and then I've since heard that that he's he's not been practicing. So I'm assuming he's going to be. I'm assuming he's not playing this week, which is too bad because he was hurt. He was banged up last year, as the whole running back room was banged up last year. So for Iowa State, I hope this isn't a sign of bad things to come in the running back room. But uh, yeah, you're you're right. You're right about Sama. He is. Uh, um, he's he's got that that explosiveness that we've not that we've not seen. And I'm not comparing him to Brees. Do not get me wrong. But he's got the. And this hasn't been that much of a sample size either. But but certainly nobody since Brees has had that kind of that kind of breakout. And that which is that's just all of one season. But nonetheless, um, if if he can somehow find a crease, just, just wiggle open a little bit. I'd be curious. I'd, I'd really want to see what, what he can do um, um, with the ball because, because Iowa state, if game one, if, if is to believe, if two is to be believed, even if Iowa state's offense does bog down after, you know, if they get the ball down fairly deep in Iowa's in Iowa's territory, I feel more confident this year after seeing, Chase Contreras just once. I feel more nonetheless. I still feel more confident in him making a field goal. So yeah, I, I agree with. I, that's a good pick. As is 
is um, Abu, kind of a surprise pick, but it, but it's interesting that uh, um, that you've got you share that that same feeling on him that that I certainly do. He's he's going to be good, and his backstory is incredible, and and it's he's got a wonderful future um, right now. I think. Yeah, I mean they got to put it together, but obviously when you look at the the history that Campbell has with running backs going back to Toledo with NFL running back after NFL running back. And when you see a spark like Cartavius Norton had against Simo a year ago, like Abu Sama did against Northern Iowa last week, you know, makes your eyebrow raise up. You know, what, what did they see in their evaluation of this guy that is now showing itself, you know, in a very, uh, you know, nascent stage that could lead one of these guys to, to be that next guy. I mean, I think you got to be feeling pretty excited about that running back room if you're an Iowa State fan and confident about it if you're Matt Campbell because it, it does seem like, again, they got to sustain it, cultivate it, and be consistent with it over the course of, you know, a game, a season, and a career. But, uh, you know, certainly the electricity was there to get your attention and make you wonder what the future is going to hold for Sama. And I, I still think that about Cartavius Norton, too. Um, you know, after what we saw last year and him never being healthy. But, Randy, you brought up special teams. Let's talk a little special teams. They were pretty good Saturday against you and I. Are, are we believers in the Jordan Lang's uh, special teams coordinator uh, renaissance at Iowa State? Is it too early to tell? Is there somewhere in between about uh, this suddenly becoming like uh, Virginia Tech under Frank Beamer, that special team is going to rule the day? I think it's too early to tell, but certainly, but certainly after after game one, yeah, I think I don't think other than other than that faulty snap, whatever that thing was, um, on a PAT maybe I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was, it was a high snap. That yeah, probably yeah. could have salvaged, but wasn't quite able to. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, it was the the special teams had a had a wonderful day, and, and granted, there's there, they didn't have a high bar to meet in that respect. But uh, uh, with with Jalen Noel getting whatever he got sixty yards full worth of returns, Iowa State only a uh, punt returns. Iowa State only had eighty seven yards punt returns last year as a team. So that's that's encouraging. And I don't I don't remember Northern Iowa breaking off any 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 good sized significant significant um, returns. So and. Against Iowa last year, I remember um, there were a couple block punts. I believe it was that yeah, were, just two block punts. <laughs> just two, yeah, yeah. Just there were there were only two, but but none. But still, they were they were important. Um, and Iowa State held up pretty good there. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think after week one, Iowa State fans have to be have to be impressed. And I just noticed a fact a a, a, a piece of this of this um, streaming of this YouTube, what, what we're using. I didn't, people can ask questions and we're getting questions. Um, I just noticed that. Look at Randy um, dialed into the tech. Yeah, I am. Oh my gosh. Now we're getting all kinds of questions. Anyway, there are people watching. Um, so somebody asked about yeah. Cartavius and Abu and I think we answered that one. Okay. Here's, here's one. I know we're very, we're getting off script here, but that's okay, dude. We got to take care of our people. Somebody, um, Mark wants to know if something about uh, um, something about the punts. It says Iowa won't be drilling long, low punts. There, will, so there'll be less opportunities 
to um, to make returns, which I get that. I get that. Tory Taylor is is the best punter on the planet. And I don't care what division you're what level you're talking about. So, yeah, that's true. We may not see punt returns. Then again, we may. We may see Tory Taylor bomb one so far that he outkicks his coverage. And we you, we've all seen what's going to happen. Um, you know, what can happen there in those situations. So, um, you know, that's going back to the special teams. Now I I think that, that, yeah, special teams are going to be huge. And on, on, on the other side as well, Iowa, Iowa um, is a a horrible, is Iowa's pretty good uh, field goal kicking team. Obviously they've got, they've got the, the punter um, and I'm sure they've got, they've got return guys also. So that could be that could be a big factor in and holding on the ball in those in those returns also. We've seen we've seen that come up and beat and and bite Iowa State in the butt also, just running into themselves on kick returns, you know, on 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 fielding of on fielding of punts or kickoffs, mostly punts. So we didn't see any of that in game one. So in answer to your question, Trav, I think, yeah, I think we I think we can take something away from game one with Jordan Langs's um being the Campbell finally naming a, a full-time um, special teams coach. Sorry, I rambled, but I got off no. topic. I started, I started reading the comments, the Randy questions. Got, Randy went on a, a little detour there, discovering <laughs> the technology. But uh, I, mean, I think, yeah, there were no punt return collisions, so that's a step in the right direction. Uh, <laughs> that's a different way to put it. We, uh, we asked Campbell about special teams after the game, and, for whatever reason, he's decided that's something that he's going to be defensive about. Uh, but yeah. I do think he raised a fair point in that when they've had good specialists, that's made a big difference in stabilizing special teams. It has not fixed all the right. a- what ails them, and that is not the lone issue with their special teams. Certainly, um, you know, just go back and look at you know return game, your uh, kickoff coverage, and things like that. But I do think he's right in that when they when their specialists are good, that helps to raise the bar. And what we saw from Tyler Perkins on Saturday against you and I looked like a totally different dude punting the ball uh, for Iowa State. We saw Chase Contreras hit a 56 yarder, you know, at the end of the half. You know, those to have players in position that can make those types of plays, uh, I think, is big for Iowa State. Now they still have to go out and make sure that they continue to be clean and efficient elsewhere in special teams. But to have a couple of guys that after week one, again, who who knows where this goes from here, but after week one that look like competent and maybe even elevated specialists at those positions um, can make a huge difference, certainly in a low possession game that we are anticipating uh, this game on Saturday to be – Randy, I think now it's time. I feel like sometimes we drive in a point too much or we stick on a topic too much, we as an industry, and the will the Cyhawk game go away, I think is a lot of times one of them. But I think there's two reasons for that. One is if you're not constantly talking about it, I do think that allows for complacency to set in. And I think when you talk to people around this game and when you talk to people around the sport, this rivalry and keeping it is important. But I also think at this point, it's really important to talk about in terms of realignment. The further you look out with the way realignment is going, 
the harder it is to see this game surviving another round of realignment and maybe even this round of realignment, depending on what the Big Ten, Big 12, and maybe other conferences do in terms of conference games now that we're swelling back to 16 teams and 18 teams um, or two in the case of Pac-12. But I I do think (laughs) there is a real threat here about this game continuing in its current form with the way that realignment is going to put pressure on schedules. Right. And that'd be, that'd be really unfortunate, but I, but it, you're right. It could happen. We don't know. And Campbell referenced this a little bit on Tuesday. We don't know what, how many, when they, once all this recent, this current round settles, we don't know how many conference games that everybody's going to be playing. I mean, right now, Iowa state or the big 12 plays nine conference games. If, and there's 12, nine conference games during a 12-game regular season. Now, if they played 10, if they raise that to 10, or Campbell even mentioned 11, which I don't see happening, but possibly, who knows? Um, if they Let's say they raise it to 10. Victor, and obviously, victories to get to the postseason are very important. So you raise it to 10. Iowa State and Iowa would be playing 10, would be playing 11, 11, Power five games opponents. If in fact they keep the Cyhawk game, I I don't know where I don't know whether they're going to want to do that. I don't I don't know because they're going to want to go out and schedule schedule lower opponents. And what's this do for Northern Iowa if in fact Cyhawk um, you know goes away? That 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 could be tough too. So um, it's it's all going to be about about the scheduling. Um. And and you know we'll see what how many conference games these these mega conferences end up playing or maybe they just end up playing playing everybody within their within their own conference or division or whatever it is they call it and and you know just have an overall record um, and with the conference with the uh, college football playoffs expanding to to twelve eventually coming up very soon the whole the whole college football landscape is is changing but i but i certainly hope that somehow there's a place for this game um there's going to be i would say i would say 40,000 20 to 40 25 to 40,000 people tailgating who who aren't even going to have tickets to go into the game they just go up there to be part of it and i'm not counting the 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 politicians they're just going to be up there to be to be part of it and that and that always happens whether it's in Ames or whether it's in Iowa City What's what's this game mean for the communities? This this game means a lot for both for both communities. Um, but I don't know how much that's gonna that's gonna be important to people who make schedules um, down the road because college football and college sports and ge- college sports in general has has turned into more of a big buck um, business than than ever before. So um, I, I fear for this game, but I certainly hope there's a place for it. Yeah, I think the threats to the game are are multiple, and I think the immediate term would be the leagues going and adding another conference game, and Iowa and Iowa State looking at it and saying we can't make it work with playing another Power Five opponent. And I think they can make the gate work in terms of home and away, uh, because I think historically the the two schools, for whatever the rivalry is, have worked well 
together to to schedule things out and make things work. I mean, just look back to the game getting canceled in 2020. It seemed like, at least from the outside looking in, that there was pretty amicable and not trying to rewrite the contract to get Iowa its home game back. They just kept the contract moving forward to make it work because the schedules had been laid out in advance to get the the appropriate amount of home games to fit their budgets. But I think the bigger issue will be in terms of the decision will probably come down to a television executive. Well, it's not going to come yeah, down good point. to a uh, to Iowa or Iowa State. And I say that in that the ESPN, Fox, and whoever else is involved here are paying the money that they're paying for college football right now, not for Iowa and Utah State and Iowa and Iowa State. They're paying for the big brand games. And you know whatever jokes you want to make about an Iowa-Iowa State game being between big brand games, it's two power five teams playing in a hotly contested rivalry in always sold out stadiums with great atmospheres. That makes for great TV. Like, like we were talking about this the other day, or maybe it was, I was talking about it with uh, our colleague Chad Lystico on his podcast, but there's a reason that Iowa State has hosted game day two times in their history, and they're both this game, because this game is exciting and it does draw in viewership when both teams are good because of the rivalry and because of the tradition and the atmosphere and on and on. So I'm not saying that, but where the issue will be is TV is going to want them to load up on conference games. And when you load up on conference games, like I was talking about earlier, that's going to make non-conference scheduling trickier. And I think ultimately why this game, why I would be so concerned about this game going away is the next round of realignment. Is it going to be wholesale in that, the Big Ten and SEC break away, or there is a complete restructuring of conferences to where this looks more like NFL light with 30 teams or maybe 60 teams or whatever it is. And in that scenario, in 30-team scenario or 35-team scenario, is Iowa State included in that? In a 60-team scenario, you know, are you regenerate like just does it look like the NFL where you play you don't necessarily play every team every year? I just think that's the way this is headed where it's you're not playing football team versus football team rivalry versus rivalry. It's brand A versus brand B. And when you're signing multiple billion dollar contracts, which I imagine the next one will be, you're kind of held hostage by the TV uh, executives and what they want. You know, they give you the money and then you got to pretty much do what they say. You know, we've seen this, you know, I always joke in the NCAA tournament where People are constantly like, why are they doing these in-game coaching uh, interviews that never happen during the regular season? And people lose their mind about it. And the answer is because TV wants it. And TV's paying a billion dollars a year to, or CBS is paying a billion dollars a year to air the tournament. You do what they say when they're giving you a billion dollars. And ultimately, that's what's going to happen, in my mind, with conference realignment. And my concern with the next go-round here, does Iowa and Iowa State separate in terms of where they're playing or is the entire configuration built not with rivalries in mind and the Iowa Iowa State game will have to take a back seat to whatever that structure looks like chew on this one for a second Trev what if you know you're talking about about the TV contracts which is 100% spot on you're absolutely right so what if, when let's just say when 
when these contracts become worth billions of dollars to, you know, to college football, is do do college players then finally form up and start to unite in in being um, uh, unified in 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 trying to be paid by the colleges to play? I mean, I think- it could because they're going to want more of a they're going to want a piece of this pie too. And so far, one of the things that stopped that are number one laws, I think, and and but number two is they haven't been able to exactly get on the same page. So would this open up that door again? Heaven forbid. No, I think what's going to open that okay. door up is going to be the Supreme Court. I mean, I think that's coming, Randy. I just don't think yeah. this is going to be the catalyst. I think it's. I think will be. I would imagine, and I'm guessing, I'm not reporting anything, that there will be some form of revenue sharing before the next round of realignment. If you if the PR hit would be pretty terrible, and it's already pretty terrible, yeah. if you do the next round of realignment, and I imagine the next round, and so we're talking in five plus years, my suspicion would be the next round of realignment isn't so much about conferences adding teams, but about them expelling teams and reconfiguring around the biggest brands in the sport rather than traditional rivalries. I'm absolutely not the first person to make this observation or to have this thought, but at what point does Ohio State say, why are we paying for Rutgers' athletic department? When Alabama says, what is Vanderbilt bringing to the table here? And on down the line, you know, sorry to point out those schools, but I do think that'll ultimately be what happens here. And if you're going to get there, I think – given what we read in Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion a couple of years ago in the Alston case, that when somebody brings a, our student athletes employees case to the Supreme court, the NCAA is not in my opinion. And again, I'm not an attorney uh, is not going to fare well in that case. And you're probably looking, I mean, we just saw Jim Harbaugh a week ago, two weeks ago yeah. saying that there needs to be revenue sharing. I think we're headed down that path. How fast we'll get there. I don't know, but I, I think it'll likely happen before, you know, we get ever to whatever, you know, the uh, Super League that appears we're headed towards. And there will be externalities of that. And maybe the Iowa-Iowa State game is one of those. But I think ultimately recognizing college sports for what it is, which is professional football, um, a, a step below the NFL. With free probably, agency. Yeah, is probably a good thing in getting the people that make the game, the players, cut in on the profits to that, I think makes – a lot of sense in a given, you know, that we're a capitalist society here, but I, we're way down the, uh, the rabbit I know hole. We are. It's Cyhawk week, Randy. You, you got a prediction for the game? You want to lay your uh, pride out on the line here? <laughs> I, what pride? 17, uh, what am I Fair saying? Seven, 17, 14, 17, 13 in that area. Will either team win or just that'll be the final <laughs> score? Who the hell knows which team? I'm, it's points. online right now. It's online right now with the with the weekly Big 12 picks. I picked Iowa to win. I picked Iowa to win last year, too. So, I mean, that's no big deal. What about you, sir? Uh, I think Iowa's probably three points better. And I think, you know, when you're talking about three points better in a rivalry game, it's a coin flip. And I think that's probably what this is. And, again, I to me, as somebody who likes to just try to learn about the team, each week, understand them better. That's what I'm excited about for this game for Iowa State. We're going to learn a lot about that youth. I think we're going to learn a right. lot about that offense uh, to one degree or another. 
uh, on Saturday. And I think that'll be, from my perspective, interesting. But certainly, you know, whatever team comes away 2-0 and from this game is going to be feeling pretty good about themselves. And again, like Iowa and Iowa State are going into this game and this season with different expectations. But just like last year, Randy, where Iowa State was 3-0, and I mean, in the non-conference, if you win on Saturday, if you're Iowa State, that puts 3-0 and in the non-conference on the table and you're halfway to a bowl game. Now, obviously that wasn't enough last year for a team that went one and eight in the big 12, but that, that's a hell of a head start. You know, even last year they weren't able to complete the journey, but getting to three wins before the calendar says October, that, that is quite the head start. And it absolutely puts a bowl game on the table where you lose on Saturday. If you're Iowa state, Oh, now you got to jump on a plane and go to Athens, Ohio and play a road game coming off a letdown, that's not a great situation to be in. So I'm going to break some news here, Randy, and I'm going to say for Iowa State, winning would be a lot better than losing. (laughs) I thought you were really going to break news. Whoa. What are you keeping from me? Yeah, but once we get to this level of analysis, it's probably best to to call it a show. He's Randy Peterson. (laughs) I'm Travis Hines. This has been the Cyclone Insider podcast and live stream from the Des Moines Register. Be sure to check out DesMoinesRegister.com the rest of the week and certainly all weekend long for all the Cyhawk content your heart could desire, both from Randy Peterson and I and our colleagues in Iowa City. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll catch you next time.